0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com.
1: You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Galton and Jimmy Kemsky.
0: What's going on, everybody? This is Jimmy Kapski of PhillyWallers.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. This is BGN Radio, episode number 151. How you doing, Brandon?
1: Jimmy, I'm doing good. It's early in the morning, usually earlier than we record. A little peek behind the curtain there, inside baseball, inside football, maybe, even if you will, since we cover football. Yeah, not that people really care about that, but just letting people know. (laughs) Uh, Usually we're recording Wednesday evenings, Try to probably get back on that schedule. uh, So this is up for you on Thursday mornings, but, you know, this past couple of weeks we've been delayed, so sorry about that. Uh, obviously, all the plugs at the beginning, will get those out of the way. Check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky at righteousfelon.com. Use discount code BGN15. Really good craft jerky and other products there, so again, go check that out. Check out the SB Nation NFL show, which I'm on, talking not just Eagles, but uh, all NFL teams, and you can get that by subscribing to the SB Nation NFL show and go to the Off Day Debrief, which I am on with Rob Stats Carrera. We call it the odd cast because things get weird. And uh, voting, you know, go vote. So, Jimmy, what do we have this week?
0: Yeah, so I figured we start with the positives. There are plenty of negatives, then we're going to get to those. <laughs> but there are some positives that came out of this last game and just in general uh, with the team. So why don't we start with those, first and foremost being Travis Fogum. Is he for real? What'd you make of his performance against you know, actually, both the 49ers and the Steelers.
1: Yeah. Um. Even before that, real quick, just I would say I felt the best I have about the Eagles all season in terms of this season outlook. You know, not talking about long term necessarily, but but I guess even that too potentially against the Steelers, which is really weird to say because they lost this game by nine points. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it was even more encouraging than the win over the Niners. Like, I, I just felt better coming out. of I would of the game. agree with so, that. And and Travis Woolgum was part of that because you have a young player here who was actually showing... Not even just showing potential. I mean, like, dominating. (laughs) It's crazy. Right. I think he is legit, Jimmy. This is a guy that we saw come into training camp, and I'm kind of kicking myself now for not being a little bit more bullish on him, uh, or at least expressing that, because I liked what I saw in training camp. Me too. It wasn't like he was, like, dominating people like this, but he looked good. Yeah, he he showed something in
0: camp. I mean, he came in late. He's one of those guys that you know just isn't going to make the team because he came into camp so late. You know, originally... He was a guy, like, I wouldn't have even had him on the practice squad, but at the conclusion of camp, it was like, that guy did enough, or he's, he's going to be on the practice squad, and he found his way onto the roster, and he made the most of his opportunity, 10 for 152, was it, and a touchdown uh, on Sunday against the Steelers, and as you said, like, he was dominating those smaller Steeler corners, and, you know, not just, like, you know, making 10 catches or whatever, like, he made some difficult catches, and he made contested catches. He took big hits after a couple of the catches and stayed up. Like he did a lot of things that we really haven't seen from a number of Eagles wide receivers over the years.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was fluky. It's not like, you know, the Steelers offensive backs were like falling down, you know, he's and there's like busted coverages and It's Joe Hayden. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's that legit cover and
0: and part, for part of the day
1: it's crazy to me i think the craziest part of it is how much trust carson wentz was having in this guy who he's barely yeah, had well, time he's got to, like, nothing else to throw to yeah so he's forced to but even still like to, to go to him that often is is really eye opening and and really encouraging i know i don't know you know i don't know that he's He's going to do this in, I mean, he's probably not going to be doing this, you know, week in and week out or anything. I don't know that you found, like, <laughs> the next, like, best receiver in the NFL or something. But uh, I I definitely think at the, at the least, like, he's an NFL starter. Like, I really do believe that at the, at the very least. I think, I don't think we're going to be looking back and saying, oh, that was a total fluke. I mean, there's talent here. You look at his profile, <clears throat> not the fastest guy in terms of his testing speed, but I think he makes up for that. And in terms of the things you kind of just mentioned there, and and the length is great. He's tall, uh, very long arms. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of things there. I remember when the Eagles, like, claimed him, I thought that was intriguing. You know, some people at the time were like, oh, he's probably just a camp body because the, the Packers uh, had just gotten rid of him not too long after they claimed him off waivers. And I guess I want to stop on that, down down on that for a sec, because like, I see a lot of people, like, crediting or some people like crediting the Eagles for like, oh, you know, so smart they got Travis. Ho- like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> he, this- was, he brought he was brought in to be a camp body, so
0: they signed him. I think it was at, was that after uh, Robert Davis got hurt around then. So they need like a certain number of receivers just to get them through practice, and he happened like I, I'll give the scouts credit for because they have like a, a list of players that are sort of like on the next up. In terms of who they're gonna bring in if they suffer an injury or whatever. And I guess he, like when he hit the waiver wire, you know, he, whatever triggered them to claim him, you know, that's the process is good on that. But yeah, I'm not giving them much credit for him unexpectedly breaking out here. Like that doesn't offset the miss on like JJ Ortega Whiteside, for example, in the second round. Like those two things don't even out. Like if Fulgham becomes what you hoped JJ would be, like, I don't think I, that doesn't even out in terms of uh, the process of of how these two players came to be. Like, it's just they got lucky is
1: really all it is. Yeah. Well, also, like, how about that when the Lions cut him? They didn't. The Eagles didn't put a waiver <laughs> claim in then. <laughs> right. Like, so it's not like they, were, they had to get him like immediately all along. Like you said, it was kind of with Robert Davis getting hurt. And then he does show some good things in training camp. And it's not like they keep him on the roster. They keep him on the practice squad. <laughs> right. The- they cut him. And then they, they didn't even protect him on the practice squad for, like, the first couple weeks there. They only did it, like, leading up to the game and got promoted, I yeah, believe. they got
0: they had a ton of wide receiver injuries.
1: So, like, and then guess what? The receiver injuries also speak to the, the team's failure, too. And in investing, like, the third biggest cap hit on the team in Alshon Jeffrey, who still hasn't played yet, heading into week six. And then Deshaun Jackson, fifth biggest cap number on the team this year, him being totally unavailable. Like, their, their failures at wide receiver is what... You know, made Travis Fulgham have to play, so it's it's like they really just kind of lucked into this thing. But I mean, he's here, so and he's and I definitely think he is legit, and it's going to be really interesting to see. You know, uh, to what extent he continues to keep this up. And and honestly, Jimmy, at like a very basic level, Travis Fulgham is fun. Like this team yeah. has had nothing fun about it for, or not very many things fun about it for way too long. We've complained about that a lot. And it's just, it's nice to see like, Hey, a fun young player. How about that?
0: Yeah. I don't think they targeted him until the second quarter of that game. And there was that, you mentioned like how they kept going to him over and over and over again. There's that one stretch. I think it was in the third quarter where he had five targets on five consecutive plays. <laughs> like it was, cr- like, it was just uh pass complete to Travis Fulgham. Pass incomplete to Travis Fulgham. Pass complete to Travis Fulgham. Pass complete to Travis Fulgham. And they got to the point where he, like he took himself out of the game because he was tired. <laughs> he had five. He had five targets on five straight plays. There was a stretch in the fourth quarter where I'm sitting next to um, uh, Mike K in the in the press box. Not next to him, but he's like a few seats down. He's the closest reporter to me, and we were like cracking up, like because every time he had another catch, because it was just one after the next, after the next. And uh, yeah, it's, it's clear that he's probably. I mean, Zach Ertz is is is, you know, Carson Wentz's most trusted receiver. But after him, it's pretty clear that it's Travis Fulgham. And with Ertz (laughs)
1: struggling, you know, we might see sort of a transition to him really looking for Fulgham first. It's really interesting. Um, I think maybe one thing that works well between Carson and Fulgham is, I think one of the best things about Carson Wentz could be his intermediate game. Like, I think that's one of his biggest strengths. I think, like, the deep ball can kind of be, you know, hit or miss sometimes. And even the short stuff, like, looks harder. It can be an adventure, if you will. I think the intermediate is like really where he can thrive, and I think Fulgham can really help work that too. Like he's not, you know, a classic burner, but like he can make plays down the field. Like he can, you know, not like he's not just a short game guy. And it's it's just so weird. Like you know, we've all criticized Carson for like not trusting his receivers enough at times and not giving like those jump ball kind of trust. Yes, throws. I was just gonna and add that. Yeah, and he was doing de- that one throw he had to Fulgham like over the middle of the field, which is like an incredible throw from Carson. <laughs> right, it's like the safeties. Both safeties, I think, are, like over the top. And then you have a guy trailing behind Fulgham and he fits it into this like incredibly tight window down the field. It's like, what the heck is that? Like, <laughs> like, yeah. So, it, it, I mean, in a great way, uh, you, you have down here, Jimmy, like, is this Carson Wentz's best game of the season? I mean, like, by far, right? Yeah,
0: I, I thought so. But by the way, on that Fulgham catch, like, he went that was a fearless play by him too, because he went up, he like, he went up and got that. Mm-hmm. And when you factor in that, like, when Carson Wentz misses, it's usually high and i thought folgum did a really good job like going up high and catching a, a number of passes in that game so he sort of like maybe he offsets that weakness of Wentz in some in some respect, where like if he's thrown to a guy like Ward, who's you know what 5'10", 5'11", or whatever he is, you know, like he's not going to go up and get and get passes like that. Whereas a guy like Folgum can.
1: you mean, Greg Ward is down a seven point eight yards per reception. Like, <laughs> like I again, I I, feel like I <laughs> for was his career like, or this year, this, Uh I think both actually. I think okay. both I, like I, I checked that recently. Again, I I'm not trying he to be is like, what he in, is. Yeah, but like it's just funny because like. Oh, what about Greg Ward? Like, when people say, like, how he doesn't know receiver talent or whatever, like, like, really? 7.8 yards per reception. Like, this, he's not a weapon. Like, he's fine. Anyway.
0: Sorry. Not, but before we move off of Fogelman, uh, one other thing I'll note, too, is, like, he played everywhere. So they had him on the outside. They had him in the slot. There's one catch that they made where he was almost kind of lined up as, like, an H-back. Like, almost kind of like like in the backfield, but mm-hmm. in, a, in a position that, like, a tight end would normally be. And he, like, he actually ran his route through the line of scrimmage and then, uh, you know, kind of cut inside. So just the fact that they've put a lot on his plate already, and Doug got asked about that, I think, on Wednesday, was it? Uh, about them moving him around all over the place, and he's, he, his answer was that he expects all the receivers to be able to do that. But uh, it, is, it is impressive that he was able to move all around the formation, and not only that, but make catches... Uh, from from every part of the formation as well. It wasn't just like all his catches came from the slot or they all came from the outside or whatever. He did it from all different uh, from all different places along the scrimmage.
1: So I think why you know this game was so encouraging, like I said earlier, was was Carson Wentz. I mean, just the fact that like mm-hmm. he's playing. I think he played pretty well. I mean, the numbers don't show that too, and obviously. Um, the interceptions weighed that down. The one at the end of the game being meaningless, basically. It was fourth down on that. I mean, fourth and twenty. Why,
0: why that guy even caught that interception was. I mean, like there were Steelers reporters laughing at him for, for yeah. catching that interception. So uh, yeah, that that that's not even a pick in my opinion. And then the other one, I thought that was uh, illegal contact. Like cause mm-hmm. Ertz got bumped off of his route. Uh, five past five. It was it was close. It was like five and a half, six yards past the line of scrimmage. Uh, and then he didn't give you know, give much of an effort thereafter to to finish his route. And it was a timing throw once was putting in a spot that he expected Ertz to be, and Ertz wasn't there. So that wound up being a pick. So those weren't, like, bad decisions or bad throws necessarily, like we've seen through the first quarter of the season. But I'm with you. Uh, certainly that that was his best game of the
1: year. Yeah, the accuracy was just better. Uh, decision-making, I mean, really encouraging stuff from him. It's a, It's a weird spot because – you know, I think there's a lot of eagle fans out there, and understandably so, we kind of want the team to bottom out. But at the same time, like, do you also want the franchise quarterback to look terrible?
0: No, they need him. No, no matter what the outcome of this season is, he's not going anywhere. So right. you need him to be sort of at least the one, at least the one guy who who plays well throughout the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, and he and he was on Sunday. So credit to Carson Wentz for kind of turning things around. I. I I was not really super encouraged by the 49ers game. I, I said that last week and I, I coined the <laughs> right the term I use is like a performance to build on. And to his credit, he built on it. So now looking back at that 49ers game in hindsight, I am, you know, more like okay, I can see like he's progressing right now in the right direction. Still has a long way to go. Still yeah. needs to be much more consistent and uh it's going to be tough and obviously part of his supporting cast uh or his supporting cast isn't necessarily <laughs> helping him a ton. Although, you know, the offensive line Continues to seem to play pretty well, you know. Yeah, given, they've, they've held their own. Yeah, to my surprise. With that said, I think the the lack of success in the run game has a lot to do with them. Oh, it's, sure, yeah, they're know, not they're not opening up many holes. The, <laughs> but, but but in pass there. pro, they've been okay. Yeah, the continuity isn't there. The skill, I just think, isn't there. Yeah, but I agree with you. I think with pass pro, they've they've been able to figure it out. I think Jeff Stoutland deserves a lot of credit for that. Yep. Um, of just kind of like you know getting cobbling it together and like making it work. My um, lotta has to stay at left tackle, right? For the rest, like, why would you bring back Jason Peters at this point? Jason Peters should never play another snap at left tackle
0: for the Eagles again as long as my keeps playing the way he's playing and doesn't get hurt. Mm hmm. Right. Is the short way of putting it, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like yeah I mean, he's, he's been good. I mean, he's like he's been I expected Bud Dupree to make some plays on him and he did get a sack late in the game. Half sack actually late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part um, and I got I still haven't gone back and, and honed in on my game. But, um, you know, he certainly didn't stand out, you know, in an obvious negative way during the game, nor did he uh, stand out in an obvious negative way against the 49ers, actually went back and did look a little bit at that one, and I thought he played legitimately well. So, yeah, he's been a very pleasant surprise, one of a few uh, for this Eagles team early on. And then Herbig has shown that he can at least be, um, you know, going forward at, at a minimum sort of a uh, a versatile interior offensive lineman who can play at least left guard and right and, and right guard, maybe center in a backup role. Uh, stunk, has stunk hmm. so far. And uh, I think Driscoll has shown enough early whenever he's had to fill in at right tackle that uh, he can be a legitimate player in the NFL too.
1: I think it's an interesting uh, thing to think about with the offensive line. And shout out to dear friend of the podcast, Booting Green Nation, Noah Becker, who pointed out like, hey, maybe it's not the smartest idea for Howie to invest a ton of resources into the offensive line like he has with trading up for Andre Dillard and giving big contract extensions to aging players over 30 like Lane Johnson. And Brandon Brooks, uh, you know, ahead of when they were really due for contracts, it wasn't like they're going to be free mm-hmm. agents. When you can kind of get more out of less with your offensive line coach, you know what I mean? Uh, do you think that's a fair point?
0: Yeah, I think there's lo- some logic to that. Like I understand, you know, wanting to find your left tackle of the future with Jason Peters, you know, on his way out. So I-, I can understand like why they put those resources into, excuse me, why they put those resources into into Dillard. And, um, you know, I mean, they won a Super Bowl, really, because their offensive line was elite. Mm -hmm. I thought that was the biggest reason that, like, as far as the positives on their roster, like, that offensive line absolutely dominated in the Super Bowl, in the run game, and in the pass game. And, you know, like, so I can understand why they put those resources into it. At the same time, I do kind of get his point, Noah's point, that, um, you know, like, like you said, you can do more with less along that offensive line. I, I can I I can get why <laughs> like because it was so good during that Super Bowl run I can get why they they are pumping a lot of resources money and and draft picks draft pick capital uh, into that line because they they saw what it, what it, what an elite offensive line can do
1: I get that I guess the the contract extensions though then I'd push back on that like why are you rushing I think just
0: generally speaking whether offensive line or anywhere else on the on the roster they got to be more careful about who they're uh, ex- and it goes totally against like The sort of typical uh, M.O. of the franchise, especially in the like the Joe Banner days Mm -hmm. where they didn't extend anyone after they were like 30 years old. Not anyone, but it was few and far between. They were very careful about who they gave contract extensions to. And now they just give those out like candy to guys that are over 30 years old. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's something that they sort of have to reevaluate, especially with the constant like bevy of injuries that they have every
1: year. Uh, and typically a lot of those guys are, are well into their into their 30s who go down. You know what just hit me, Jimmy? I'm thinking back to, like, these guys they've given contract extensions to in seasons in, in recent years, and not counting, like, you know, like Jake Elliott and, you know, the specialist, um, you know, Rick Lovato last year. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like – I'm thinking about 2017. They give one to Timmy Jernigan. He doesn't really play well after that. Right. They give one to Alshon Jeffrey that same year. I mean, he, you know, he was key in the Super Bowl and everything. But, like, overall, he hasn't played, like, as great. You know, he hasn't played, like, amazing. You know, the contract hasn't been His great. best
0: year was 2017.
1: And then Brandon Brooks gets hurt after they give him the contract, like, a couple games after, you know, late in the season last year. And then Lane Johnson has been – also got hurt last year. So, it's like, hey, maybe don't sign someone to an extension, like – in season you know what i mean like isn't that fair <laughs> like, to say like get get to the off season, see if they can make it healthy to the offseason and then sign them i don't know it just kind of that just hit me it just seems like like not the the, the greatest time to do it uh, you also have will Parks set to return here speaking of injuries jimmy will parks was activated his practice window was activated 21 days which means the eagles can bring him up to the 53 man roster anytime Within the next three weeks, if he's ready to go. Doug Peterson said he's healthy, but I guess, like, kind of just want to see how he progresses in practice this week. That would be good because Marcus Epps, Jimmy, as the kids say, ain't it. Uh, Marcus <laughs> Epps had that really bad miss on that one Chase Claypool touchdown where, first of all, Claypool just shakes Jalen Mills at the line of scrimmage and then, you know, just runs across the field. And Epps has a chance to clean it up, you know, make it whatever, like a 20, 15-yard gain instead of a touchdown touchdown. And totally just whiffs. Um so getting Parks back would be nice, right?
0: Yeah, I've never been a big Marcus Epps fan. I mean, he was <laughs> Who the, has? <laughs> he, he was he was the guy that gave up the uh the the big play not the big play, but the the game clinching play uh against the Seahawks in the playoffs to DK Metcalf. Like when it was like third it was third and something, and a first down ends the game, and Russell Wilson went deep to DK Metcalf, and that was all Epps that that gave that up. But yeah, I've, I haven't been a big Epsy fan. I don't think he should have made a team. I didn't have him on my final 53-man roster, so maybe a little bit of bitterness on my part that I got that one wrong. But uh, Will Parks was kind of slated to play a big role in this team, even though he was kind of, quote-unquote, the only, the, you know, sort of only the, the third safety. Like, he was getting uh, a lot of work in a nickel role. He was sort of splitting that duties with um, uh, Nickel Roby Coleman in training camp. And, you know, they could have used him as a starter, especially once uh, Mills moved back to corner uh, after Avante Maddox and a few other guys got hurt. So, yeah, I think that's uh, sort of it's it's, he's not a huge name, obviously, and we've never seen him play uh, a game with the Eagles. But I think his return to the team will will make a significant difference.
1: Uh, Let's take a break here, Jimmy. As we do that, let me tell you BGN Radio is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Jimmy, I actually have a source here. I, before I even get into the rest of this ad, I, I have a report to break here. Did you okay. know about this? I didn't this is this know. is true. This is big news. Go ahead. So I a source tells me, and it's about the Eagles, that the Eagles actually ordered more Righteous Felon Craft Jerky recently. So, <laughs> And this is true. I'm not making this up. Okay. Uh, exclusive source tells me this. Uh, so BGN Radio is brought to you by Righteous Selling Craft Jerky, the meat snacks that fuel your Philadelphia Eagles, so it's true, uh, and that's right, they are served, and by they I mean Righteous Selling Jerky and Snack Sticks are served at the Eagles NovaCare Complex fueling station where players get their pre- and post-workout protein fix. If it's good enough for the Eagles who, you know, have just had one of their more encouraging games, and no coincidence that they just bought more rights to Sellin' Craft Jerky, it's got to be good enough for you, too. Now, rights to selling, again, I always say it's like a win-win-win here because you're supporting a local company. They're based in Westchester. They use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, so you know you're getting a good product. You can try all the flavors that they have. OG Hickory, Victoria's B.I.G., Marilyn Monroe, uh, Bourbon Franklin, and much more. You can check them all out by going to righteoushellen.com and using discount code BGN15. That's righteoushellen.com. and using discount code BGN15 and check out to get 15% off. There's no limit how many times you can use that discount code. Go get some and you'll enjoy it and it'll be great. Jimmy? Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio episode 151. Jimmy, I guess one thing we didn't even mention in the first segment which people might be killing us for, It uh, might be calling for our jobs, is people calling for Jim Schwartz's job after the defense did not play well against the Well, Steelers. that was the positive segment. The yeah, first well, segment is was,
0: true. I mean, we got to a lot of negatives in what was supposed to be
1: the positive segment. But now uh, this will be the negatives. So, hmm. yeah, go ahead. I, I think it's too much. I, I think people get on Jim Schwartz too much. I really do. Now, I get why people are frustrated with him. It was not a good game. But I think when you look at this holistically, the defense has had more good games than bad games this year. That's how I feel about it. At least they've had three good games, two bad games. You know, for all Jim Schwartz's faults, I never obviously is going to point to that play at the end of the game, Nate Gary on Chase Claypool, and obviously that's a failure. I get it. Um, it's I don't think it's only his fault. I think there's other failures in there. Ben selected a nice uh, breakdown of that play. Wrote, put it up on Bleeding Green Nation. I don't know. I just I can't. People think like firing Schwartz. Is like, well, first of all, it's not going to happen because I say this stat all the time, but the Eagles heading into the 2020 season, Jimmy, were allowing the fewest points at home in the NFL since Jim Schwartz was hired. They were allowing the sixth fewest points overall since he was hired so it's not like these this is like bum terrible <laughs> right. like one of the worst like people act like he's literally like one of the worst defensive coordinators in the league that's just not true
0: personnel wise it's not like they're loaded on the on the defensive
1: side of the ball yeah they're i think something like 27th in cap spending loaded on defense uh or, or like that's how it's you know split up i want to talk about the personnel thing a little bit though jimmy because there's that's like the new thing it's like okay Jim Schwartz has control over personnel, too. It seems like he does. Unparalleled influence is the term that Jeff McLean is used to describe it. But to me, it's like, who gave him that control? Because Jim Schwartz didn't just come in here. Like, he doesn't have the authority to just give that to himself. Like, to me, that, like, speaks to someone not trusting Harry Roseman. If he has, you know, if he has uh, somewhat say over personnel. And I do think it's a fair point to raise about Schwartz. Like, is he the best developer of talent? when you're seeing Sidney Jones have a good game in Jacksonville, which I think people are waking, making way too much. out of. Oh it, my God. Way. Yes. Yeah. yeah uh, but Russell sure. Douglas too in Carolina and then um, like LJ Fort, you know, like, so like I get why people are frustrated. What are your thoughts on that?
0: So first of all, we got to kind of figure out what control he actually, like what, what influence does he actually have in terms mm-hmm. of uh, acquisitions? Like, is he involved in the draft process all that much? I don't think so. <laughs> like ultimately that's the, they're, it's the scouts and it's, um, and it's Howie Roseman who are making those decisions. And, you know, they'll, they'll obviously like positional coaches. Like, we, we're, like, I don't, I don't know if you were there the day that, that Jeff, uh, that Jeff Stoutland was talking about how he had the, the like a sort of, actually a zoom call before zoom calls became super popular or Skype or whatever it was with Andre Dillard. Uh, you, the, I, I believe it was actually the morning of the the first day of the draft, or the day before, or something like that, mm-hmm. where they kind of got the feeling that he might slip to an area where they could trade up for him. So you know, Jeff Stoutland had a had a long talk with him, uh, you know, on his computer or whatever. So you know, they do let uh, positional coaches and um, you know and Jim Schwartz because I guess they trust those guys have some sort of influence over over you know players that they'll that that they'll take. But I don't think it's happening that much in the draft. I think with, with Schwartz, it's more vets. And you know we've seen the number of players that formerly played for Schwartz, whether it be in Buffalo or Detroit. I don't know if we've really gotten too many guys that played for him in Tennessee. But um, Steven yeah. Tulloch. Okay. So, I mean, they're a they're, they're good, good pull on that one. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they, we've seen him bringing in a lot of vets. That uh, that formerly played for him, but those guys aren't costing any money though either. So like, it's not like the the one guy who actually cost any kind of money. I think, and this was even on his. It wasn't even on the first contract that that he got with the Eagles. It was on the second contract. Was Nigel Bradham. So, you know, like it's not like they're dumping a ton of resources into guys that Jim Schwartz favors and wants to bring in. So I think that's a sort of a. I don't want to call it an excuse because I don't think people are like making excuses for Howie or anything like that. But I think that the personnel aspect in terms of Schwartz is maybe a little bit overblown.
1: Yeah. I just, I can't think that's the biggest problem with the team. I don't think the defense is the biggest problem with the team. I think, I don't either relative relatively to i mean the defense just in that last matter. game
0: it was for sure like the, the defense yes. is the reason they lost the game but on the
1: when you look at it from
0: like the sixty thousand foot view it's not the defense that is ruining this season
1: so it's just weird to me when people are like oh they got to fire jim schwartz like really like and what is, like in season like what's that even gonna accomplish so part of the defensive struggles are the eagles devaluing linebackers jimmy it's fair to ask have the Eagles gone too far in devaluing the position. The way I guess I would think of it is kind of how the Eagles devalued running back too much in 2018. Like they got to a point, you know, where Josh the worst Adams They running backs
0: in the league that year. Yeah,
1: Josh Adams is like your leading rusher. And now I know, like Jagee got hurt, so it wasn't, you know, I get it there's some unfortunate stuff in there, I guess, but but yeah, it's like they they went too far. If there's a threshold i think I, w- I always talk about that like there's a threshold that has to be met like you can't just literally you know have like you and me out there playing linebacker that would not suffice you don't you don't have to invest like your first round pick and a ton of money and and they you know they are at the bottom of the league in terms of when it comes to valuing uh linebackers like they have the least amount of uh money spent on them
0: and then i'm sure you could find a similar thing on in terms of their draft capital spent at the position too
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, so it's well, not
0: just money. It's just like they they don't they don't draft those guys either. Like, the, I, was was Nate Gary the last one they drafted before they took Taylor and and Sean Bradley this year?
1: I mean, 2018 they barely drafted anyone. 2019 they barely drafted anyone. So I think so. And, yeah, you know, There's only 10 total perfect. picks those two years.
0: So yeah, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the point that we're going a long way to make is they don't put any resources into the position at all. In fact, it's probably the position they put the least amount of resources into, you know, since everyone can like since basically
1: this regime sort of uh came together in 2016 it's gone too far right i mean yeah when, I, think, I think so too for sure when, when nate gary is your top guy i mean he's just he's having a terrible season he really is <laughs> like he's been the worst starting linebacker in the nfl i mean this was predictable too you know we all thought now i said at the time i guess that like i i thought linebacker was going to be an issue but i didn't think it would like you know totally like unravel their entire season and i don't think has in the sense of like, that is the biggest issue, but it is a pretty big issue. <laughs> and it, and it obviously contributed to them losing to the Steelers and they're getting killed by tight ends in general, like more so way more so than they ever have. So it's pretty bad.
0: On that note, I think they miss Malcolm Jenkins a lot. Like yeah. he, he was, he was a big reason why tight ends didn't do a lot of damage. He was He's a linebacker
1: in, in some ways. And uh,
0: they, they miss him in that regard. Tight ends killed them all year. Like even Chase Claypool, who is, you know, listed as a wide receiver, they they he gets moved around a lot, but they, they kind of use him similarly as a tight end in the passing game. He's six like two forty, so he's got sort of the body of a tight end. You put his numbers on top of the numbers that they're already giving up to, to tight ends, and it's really bad. Like they're already kind of like near the bottom of the league in terms because they've given up I think like thirty-two catches for like three something yards and but like five or six touchdowns. Something like that because Higby had three, Kittle had at least one. Uh, they had the blown coverage against Logan Thomas It's the football team week one, so they getting killed by tight ends. And if you put Chase, Chase Claypool's numbers on top of that, which i don't, you know you wouldn't do, but he's kind of like a tight end a little bit. I mean, they're, they're, it's just really ugly. And obviously Nate Gary was covering him on that final play. But uh, yeah, I mean, certainly the, the the linebackers have been bad in that regard, and they've also been really bad on runs to the the wide receivers and tight ends like they've given up almost 200 yards to wide receivers and tight ends in the running game and I would put that mostly uh, on the linebackers as well
1: did you know who Ray Ray McLeod was heading into Sunday's game
0: I I did but what did he go to Clemson I don't know I think he went to Clemson so I know he went to a big program yes Clemson I knew he went to a big program but didn't get a lot of playing time because they were loaded elsewhere. But yeah, he had what this 50 was it 50 something or 60 something yards? Huge run. Did you see Jalen Mills on that play, by the way? The it angle did, that Jimmy. he took to that?
1: Yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> it was I didn't understand it. I was watching that replay and it's like he's running to where McLeod was gonna be. Like I don't I don't I don't it was just bizarre. Anyway.
0: Um <laughs> Jalen Mills has been the biggest beneficiary of uh, Nate Gary's horrible season, by the way. <laughs> really? Yeah, just in that he hasn't gotten any, uh, he hasn't gotten any attention, the negative attention that Nate Gary has gotten.
1: That's true, Jimmy. I guess it's time to talk about Casey too, because <laughs> right, it's it's crazy. It's for now for as inconsequential as a move that this this I would say would likely even turn out being the Eagles cutting a late 2020 seventh round draft pick, uh, who is no guarantee at all to even really be any kind of significant player in the nfl but still seems crazy because presumably the eagles caught casey or waived casey Tuhill, who has since been picked up by washington football team who by the way doesn't even need defensive line help so they're clearly just adding him as like a prospect <laughs> yeah, right That's
0: it's like- the only good thing they have on the roster is their defensive line and they and they picked him up
1: so like thinking I thought about it was going to be the
0: Giants because they they run a they run a three four and I thought he's actually probably a better fit for a three four and they have nothing on defense I don't know what they're thinking passing passing up on on a guy like him but Washington football team was like yeah we'll take him thanks
1: yeah well you know Dave Gettleman. Um <laughs> right uh, yeah so it's crazy to me though that like. Okay, you have this like legitimate prospect who looked good in training camp, looked better than I really expected in training camp. Did some nice things. I would argue he outperformed Jannard Avery. Now Avery, they they
0: said the same thing. By the way, sorry to cut you off, but like Jim Schwartz said, he had an uphill battle to make the team, but he played so well and he took in like uh, the coaching. To, like he got better and better and better, and they said like the guy that we had at the end of training camp was different from the guy that we had at the beginning of training camp in terms of like the, the way that he progressed as they went along. And he forced his way onto the roster as a result of that. That's what he said.
1: And this is a guy who's 24 years old. He is on a cheap rookie contract, you know, through the next four seasons, <laughs>
0: right.
1: and you're cutting Nothing.
0: him. He's making, making making basically the league minimum.
1: Yeah, especially as a seventh-round pick, a late yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. A- so you, you bring him in, and or I mean, you get rid of him to to bring back Vinny Curry, like, off of injured <laughs> – now, that hasn't officially <laughs> happened as of the time of recording, but like, Curry's going to come back because they activated his practice window, so it's a matter of this week or next week, basically. Yeah. What are we doing? Like, Vinny Curry, who, you know, suffered a hamstring injury in week one, 32 years old, he's on a one-year deal, he's not a part of your future, like, he's just not – uh, like w- w- what is this move,
0: Jimmy? Barnett's been okay. Uh, Brandon Graham is Brandon Graham. You have Josh Sweat who, who's played well in in his role so far this year. Jannard Avery had the big game against the Niners, so you're not hurting for defensive end talent, like for defensive end uh, productivity. And then like all your defensive tackles are all are all healthy too, from Fletcher Cox to Malik Jackson to Javon Hargrave. so they're not hurting. Like it's the it's like the one position, so like the one aspect of the team where they don't have injury issues. So like, what are they doing? What are they activating? Like, what what's the rush to get him back in to to cut Casey Toole to make room for him? Like, it doesn't make. He's got. It's not like the. It's this guy who's like been hugely productive over his career. He's got thirty sacks in nine seasons. Like, what's the rush? I don't get it.
1: It seems like the only way to make sense of it is to say that like the Eagles really want to win this year. Like like. In in fairness, like if you're trying to justify this move, the justification is Vinnie Curry is better than Casey Tuhill right now, probably, yeah. but mm-hmm. not even necessarily, definitely, but probably.
0: Yeah, I, I would say he is right now. Yeah, I, I'd I'd say that's a pretty easy thing to say. Okay, but but, like, but that doesn't matter, like because yeah. <laughs> you already you're you already have plenty of talent at defensive end and, and along your defensive line in general. It's and, like it's it's a it's a it's a really good hint. That their decision-making is Uh is on this delusional belief that they can compete for the Super Bowl in the short term when really they should be – they should have a little more honesty about what they are and uh, sort of – I'm not saying tank or anything like that, but make roster
1: decisions geared more
0: toward the long term.
1: Well, Jimmy, you know, if you just get in the playoffs, anything can happen even though (laughs) there hasn't been a wildcard team that's played in the Super Bowl since like seven years ago or whatever it is now. Like, okay. Yeah, just get in. Anything can happen, except usually it's actually the top teams that win. <laughs> so, right? And there's only yeah. one bye in each conference now, too. So I think it's it's just asinine. And Jimmy, good column by you this week on Philly Voice about how like the Eagles can't let the Dak Prescott injury like fool themselves into you know oh like, this is an opening now that we can win the East. I think though, again, I I get the not tanking thing. Like like you, you can't just expect players to stop caring you know they're they have careers here and obviously coaches and gms are you know working for their jobs so i i get it but like i would just be concerned you know if i'm jeffrey lurry and looking at like my general manager who like really isn't being honest about the state of the team uh and i mean god forbid like if this is a signal that the eagles are in win now mode like do they buy at the deadline like you know like what is what is going on here and we'll see how that goes there's still time for that to happen i'm not going to kill them for quite before it happens but it's concerning it's, it's really i i just I, i'm almost i just don't get it i, I really just don't get it it is it's such a perplexing move to me it's so funny again because casey two could end up being nothing but like what if he's something and you just you got rid of him for like really no good reason and i think this roster has been mism- mismanaged in many ways for a while now and this is just like the latest development in that chapter.
0: Yeah, I don't wanna like make too much of like the actual player that they're letting go here. Like, you know, we, we all we make fun of people that were like, uh, how do they cut Henry Josie? <laughs> you know, like so mm-hmm. like I don't wanna be that guy, but just the process of this decision isn't one that makes a lot of sense to me at all.
1: Yeah, I think that's something I've been saying a lot that's one of been my criticisms too of the franchise it's not it's just like the process i don't like the process of a lot of these moves i i just i don't get i'm not like seeing it so
0: if you don't trust the process
1: and this i don't trust the eagles process i don't know if they have a process sometimes i really don't um i don't uh, trust the process either this process Jimmy, we're already 40 minutes into the show we haven't even talked about the ravens game which is coming up here do you want to? What do you want to do? Do we want to get into them now? Do you want to get them in, just into the game in the final segment? We're we're making this up as we go. Why don't, why
0: don't we Why don't we get to them in the third segment?
1: This is the part where you tell me about Kristen Roach from Roach Real Oh my gosh! What is this?
0: Kristen Roach of Road Trail Tours, Road Trail Tours, Road Trail Tours. Kristen Roach of Road Trail Tours. She's the greatest. Eight five six nine oh six nine two nine five. Eight five six nine oh six nine two nine five.
1: Back after this. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that. Uh, Right. We are back here on BGN Radio episode 151. That was a surprise to me, but uh, really good. Um, Man, what a a time. Wait, what did you say?
0: I appreciate
1: the effort. JR. I didn't hear that part.
0: She said, I appreciate the effort.
1: That is really impressive.
0: She she poked her head in after that song. (laughs) Said, oh my God. (laughs) She didn't know that was coming either.
1: So we're... We're here on BGN Radio, Jimmy. I don't even know. If, I don't know what Kiss is going to use from that. Whatever. I think you should just keep it all over. Whatever. Who <laughs> of cares? course. Yeah. Who, who's even listening at this point? Let's be real.
0: <laughs> we we can just we can blow through the uh,
1: you know Ravens Eagles matchups. I think it's pretty yeah. straightforward. I just want to go through our, our records. You know, for the picks here, I am six and nine on the year. Yeah, I am reading this wrong. I updated. You're eight, I am and eight and ten, 10 I on the year. Yeah, you are ten and eight against the spread in our NFC East. Uh, picks. We both went two and one last week. No one cares. Jimmy, you are one three and one predicting Eagles game straight up, <laughs> and I am two and three picked predicting Eagles game straight up. So, getting back to closer to five hundred, uh, let's get into where, where do you want to go here? Then you, you want to start with the we'll, we'll do the picks. Yeah, why we don't we just the
0: do the uh, the Ravens Eagles matchups when we get to that game? So let's do football football team versus uh, at Giants is a one o'clocker. So we'll do that one first. Uh, what
1: do you have? Giants uh, minus two point five there. Yeah, as give me the, the Giants. The line. I, you know, they stink, but, like, I think Washington's worse. I think Daniel Jones hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since week one. Like, there's he's dude or dude well, that Well, now, again. no,
0: now he has.
1: Oh, he has he? Yeah, against he, the Cowboys, right? Uh, I guess he – okay, so I guess I missed that. Or were they all, They weren't all running touchdowns,
0: were they? No, they, he didn't. Like, they put he, 30-something on the board. He had to have thrown
1: at least one, right? He didn't, no. Not a single oh, one. Okay. So, yeah, so he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since week one. There's some positive regression due there. The Giants were as still terrible as they are. Like, I thought, you know, they almost deserved to win that Cowboys game. And then they lost to the Rams in what, week four? Only by like eight points. So, like, it was I don't 17 know. to nine. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're like less of a joke than Washington right now.
0: See, I got the football team here. Mm-hmm. I'll take
1: the two and a half. And I've yeah, uh, picked
0: them to win outright, actually, because I just come back to, you know, they have that defensive line. True. And the Giants' offensive line sucks. And the football team at least has one really good thing. The Giants have nothing. That's that's really good. So that's pretty uh, medieval, you know, analysis right there. But that's that's what I'm sticking with.
1: All right. So what about the Cardinals, or who are two-point favorites at the Cowboys on Monday Night Football?
0: All right. Yeah, I have the Cowboys in that game. Uh, I'm glad that's on Monday Night Football because – uh, we'll get to watch that and make fun of whatever happens in that game, so that'll be fun. But uh, I have the Cowboys winning that outright. So, like the card, this Cardinals team—they're three and two. They have played five teams with a combined record of seven and seventeen. They lost to the Lions of all teams. Uh, they lost to the Panthers, who actually have been a little better than I think everyone expected. Haven't been super impressive in their wins. Like the the, the I think the game that kind of skewed our thinking of what the Cardinals are was their mm-hmm. week one win over the 49ers, which maybe doesn't look as impressive uh, now that the uh, Niners don't look anything like they did last year. So I think they're maybe a little bit overrated right now. And Cowboys offense is still going to put points on the board, even with that gone, because they just have so many offensive weapons. And their offensive line without Tyron Smith and uh, Lyell Collins, I think, survives a little bit more in this game than they might in other games down the line because the Cardinals also lost uh, Chandler Jones for the season. So I like the Cowboys' chances of, of, of winning this game outright, and I'll take the two points on top of it.
1: Points are tempting. Uh, for the sake of this exercise, I'll take the Cardinals. I think Kyler Murray could scamper around all over that defense. DeAndre Hopkins could, like, go for, like, a billion yards against that defense. I get what you I don't necessarily disagree with what you said about the Cardinals, but I'm going to take them to win. Now, we'll get into the Ravens versus Eagles matchup here. The Eagles do play a game this week, Jimmy. I don't know if you've Sorry, one, one,
0: one, one more quick thing on the Cowboys. So, like... When In doing, like, uh, you know, my power ranking roundup each week, <laughs> like, the, the analysis that these guys give usually are, like, it's clear, like, they didn't watch the games or whatever. But every now and again, somebody will say something, um, you know, that's, like, I, I find impressive or, like, I find, like, like, it's, like, a funny just little quip or whatever. And Frank Schwab of uh, Yahoo, he had this to say. He goes, <laughs> it's not a good sign that the NFC East is realistically a two-team race. And one of the teams lost, and and sorry, one of the teams lost its quarterback and might have the worst defensive franchise history. And the Eagles still seem like the underdog to win the division.
1: <laughs> Along that line, Jimmy, speaking of underdogs, uh, you have written here in the show notes, Ravens at Eagles, Eagles fans used to talk about trap games, like, you know, being caught in one. <laughs> yes. Now the Eagles are the trap game.
0: Yeah, they are the trap game now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a good like, spot to you know, be
0: you, you always look at like the trap t- the trap game is like they're playing some crappy opponent and like they might have like the cowboys the following week or some other important game they can overlook like the just the game that's right in front of them the eagles are that team like that's the only way that i think that they come close in this game because the ravens play like after the eagles they play the the Steelers. and mm. The Colts, Colts, I think, the Patriots Patriots are in there. The the Steelers again, Titans, undefeated (laughs) Titans, and then the Steelers again. So, like this, the Eagles are a very easy team to overlook. You know, if you're looking at it from the perspective of the Ravens, so that's maybe one way the Eagles can kind of stay in this game because the matchups do not favor the Eagles at all in this matchup. I don't think
1: the Ravens are the number one overall team in DVOA. They are. (laughs) Number 1 in the NFL in point differential, Eagles are 30th in DVOA and they're you know obviously I think 27th or tw- like towards the bottom of the league in point differential. Uh yeah, so two teams opposite sides of the spectrum here. Now, I think if you're looking for optimism as an Eagles fan, I think there's like something weirds going on with Lamar Jackson. There was some stuff last week like he missed due to like some kind of illness, or stomach thing, and then like there was some knee issue though too. He goes out against the uh, the Bengals, and only puts up like a seventy one point nine passer rating. Uh, he had just only put up a seventy three point one passer rating against the Chiefs in Week Three. There's mm-hmm. an article on Ravens SB Nation site, Baltimore Beatdown, which you should obviously check out this week if you're looking for some Ravens coverage. And they basically wrote about uh, like. You know, this does not look like the Lamar Jackson of last year. Like there's something they they basically just said they, there's something off about him. Like just something doesn't look quite right with him. Not that he's you know sucks and he te- he's totally terrible now, but like he's clearly not the same exact player that he was last year. And some of that was to be expected because he was so great last year. He's not gonna you know quite duplicate his MVP form. But even still, it just seems like something's a little off there. Now of course that might not matter. He <laughs> could easily. You know, get back to form against the Eagles defense. But what do you expect, I guess, from the Ravens offense in this one?
0: Yeah, they kill teams right in the middle of the field with uh, that running game. They have the three running backs in Mark Ingram, um, J.K. Dobbins, and who's the big... Oh, uh, Gus Edwards is a uh, 240-pound back. and The Gus bus. They're all sort of different shapes and sizes, but they all run hard. And they're a good complement to... Jackson, who is sort of the, you know, the lightning quick human highlight reel. And this, their run game is is awesome. Like, they averaged over 200 rushing yards per game last year. And then, you know, this year they're up around like 160. So they're down a bit. But obviously 160 rushing yards per game is still, you know, amazing. They're second in the league this year, only to the uh, Browns uh, in that regard. Last year they ran for 5.5 yards per carry. This year they're actually up a little bit at 5.6. And then uh, you have Mark Andrews, uh, the tight end in the middle. He's almost kind of like a wide receiver, really. But uh, with with his receiving ability, he, can, he makes plays down the field. He makes plays in the red zone. And I think that's yet another awful matchup for Nate Gary and, and the Eagles linebackers.
1: So that's cool. Um, <laughs> that's encouraging. On the other side of the ball, flipping it around to the defense. Or do you have any other offensive thoughts?
0: Nah, that's about it. I mean, their, their offense is really all about that run game. And then they also have um you know hollywood brown of course on the outside who mm-hmm. you know keeps if you if your safety start creeping up to the line of scrimmage if they're just killing you with the run then they can throw it over your heads to that guy too so um he's he's sort of a, a like that was a great pick by them in what was that 2019 draft that was the Diller draft right yep um that was a great pick by them because he makes sense for what they are as an offense
1: Who do we think is covering Hollywood Brown?
0: I think they're going to play a lot of zone because if you play man, then you're chasing receivers all all over the field and you have Mm -hmm. your back turned to the quarterback. So I think they're going to play a lot of zone and sort of be face up uh, against Lamar Jackson and be able to sort of rally to the ball whenever he takes off. So I don't think they're going to have Slay, um, you know, sort of match up with anyone.
1: There's Slay, who, by the way, is in the custom protocol, but was doing some work on a side field on Wednesday. So I'm guessing he's going to be cleared to play in time. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Flipping around to the Eagles offense against this Ravens defense, you have Lane Johnson, who isn't practicing. Howard Eskin says he thinks he's going to play this week. It feels like the Eagles should probably just shut Lane Johnson down for a little bit, considering like, okay, so like, let's say he plays. Okay, how much is he going to last in, how long is he going to last in the game because the past couple of weeks he's had to come out early.
0: He's too important to the long-term success of the team. You can't mess around with it. Just set him down, wait until he's fine and then play him. This nonsense of like playing him and then he leaves in the second quarter and he comes back in the third quarter and you are just going to do this all year and it's not it's pointless to me.
1: And also, why don't you just give Jack Driscoll like a chance to like, you know, start, like settle in, you know what I mean, instead mm-hmm. of having to, like to be hurt, like jerked in and out of the lineup like just yes. l- let him be in there and like Feel comfortable, not having to like just come in off the bench cold, um, yeah. So, so we'll see how that goes against this Ravens defense that uh, blitzed the crap, really. Uh, Joe Burrow last week, I think they like set an NFL record or something like in terms of like defensive back sacks. Oh, Did they? Like, yeah, like there, there was like a there, uh, Wink Martindale, which is a great. I feel like it's a great name, by the way, great like football, coach, defensive coordinator kind of name.
0: Yeah. It doesn't uh, beat Dean Pease, but it's close. Oh, uh,
1: well, that is true. Dean Pease on <laughs> Yeah. Uh so what about this Ravens defense, Jimmy? What do you make of them?
0: Um, so the the matchup that I am most intrigued in looking at is their corners, because 'cause they're all big and physical. You have um uh, Marlon oh, Humphrey man. Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, and then the the their best one whose name is escaping me, came from the Chiefs. Marcus Peters. Yeah. Um, those guys are all big and physical. And we've seen Travis Fulgham sort of beat up on these. Uh, I guess there were smaller corners against the Steelers. It was actually a bigger corner against the Niners that that he had a success against. But that guy's sort of like a fringe roster guy, uh, Dante Johnson, that mm-hmm. uh, he had success against. But these are three legitimate corners that are all big and physical and would seemingly match up well against a guy like Fulgham. Like those are like those are the kinds of guys that you want to play against a guy like Fulgham. So it'll be a new challenge for him and I'm, I'm just most interested in in seeing how he handles that
1: challenge we've gotten to the point in the season jimmy where like travis holgum is one of the most interesting <laughs> things to watch and that's yes. not a knock against him but it's just like yeah yeah, yeah. think about <laughs> heading into the year that we'd say that by week six exactly man um yeah so i'm, I'm interested to see what the offense does because i thought you know they obviously came alive against the steelers it's a shame you know that the eagles didn't win that game and the defense blew it obviously it's illegal for the Eagles to have their offense and defense playing well in the same game hasn't happened in forever it feels like uh but yeah I'm I'm interested to see if Carson Wentz can kind of build on the performance that he had against the Steelers or if he's kind of gonna revert back to what we saw earlier in the year I mean obviously for the Eagles sake hopefully he does not do that so uh yeah so curious to see that heading into the year I felt like the Ravens was a game they could actually win because I think, I think I said it here in BGN radio at the time too, that I feel like their style stylistically, like because the Eagle the Ravens want to run and yeah, Jim Schwartz right. loves and to the, stop. They've historically run. been a good run
0: defense. Sure.
1: Yeah. And, and I think this offense can find a way uh, to attack that defense as tough as it might be. I mean, they just, the, the offense just had success against the Steelers who like, I you know, better defense than the mm-hmm. Ravens. Like, arguably, it's one of the best defenses in the NFL. Now, uh, I think part of that was going into last week's game was that the Ra- the Steelers can be a little bit vulnerable sometimes when they do blitz. I think we kind of saw that, too, with the Miles Sanders touchdown run. Like, they got a little too aggressive. Yes. And you can take advantage of that. And that's one thing I'd like to see moving forward, by the way. Kind of like underrated thing coming out of the Steelers game. Like, Sanders only had like 13 touches. Now, I get the run game, you know, wasn't really there. You know, like, yeah. Outside of that long touchdown run, like he was only averaging like you know one yard per carry, like. But like I don't care in the sense of like you still have to find a way to get that guy touches. You know, one of your best offensive players. Like, get him more involved in the passing game. Do something. He's,
0: he's averaging only 4.2 yards per target, by the way, this year. Hmm. Um, which is super low, obviously. Uh, but they got to do a better job. You know, going to him in the passing game. Like he had a lot of no- one-on-one opportunities against. Um, uh, Devin Bush, the uh, Steelers linebacker, that and he just didn't go to one for whatever reason, hmm. and then Ertz, of course, is averaging 4.1 uh, <laughs> yards per target this year, which is horrible. He had you know he had 15 receiving yards on 11 targets in the last two games, so they got to get him going too. And the guy on the Ravens defense that I think that they should attack, who's actually played pretty, he's, he's made some plays, is how I'll say it so far this year, is Patrick Queen, yes. who a lot of people, uh, you know, wanted the Eagles to draft in the 2020 draft. He's very fast, um, very athletic linebacker. I think he's got like a couple sacks, a couple forced fumbles, a couple fumble Mm -hmm. recoveries. One of them them he returned for a touchdown. So he's made some plays. But as a coverage linebacker, I think he's going to be good at some point in the NFL. But right now, I think he's a guy that you can maybe take advantage of a little bit with either Ertz or Sanders. And they got to get back to getting those guys involved in the passing game. Because that's really where all their success was last year in the passing game with those two guys. So they got to get back to that, I think.
1: Anything else on this matchup, Jimmy? Nah, that's about it. Well, let's hear your prediction then.
0: Oh, sorry. One of my favorite uh, players in the NFL uh, plays for the Ravens. and That's Justin Tucker, who is the goat of field goal kicker. Of it was the goat of kickers.
1: Yes, he is. So, I, mean, uh, I remember. Him yeah, I remember. Seeing... I remember
0: watching him in training camp. Yeah, that's why I was going to go uh, with that. <laughs> when they, when they had joint practice, he had a seventy yarder. Like mm-hmm. it was nothing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Man, like I'd never seen anyone attempt uh, a field goal that long, even at in know uh, any sort of practice, like not even anything close to that, and he just hit a seventy-yarder, like it was nothing.
1: Yeah, he's pretty good. What's your prediction for the matchup, score-wise? And then obviously, yeah. the Eagles are uh, seven, or sorry, the uh, the Ravens are what seven and a half point favorites here. It's it's the third week in a row, Jimmy. The Eagles have been seven; uh, they've been underdogs by seven or more points.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'll take the uh, Ravens to cover that. Uh, I do think the Eagles will score. You know, I think, you know, they'll put some points on the board, but just uh, that Ravens offense is too dynamic and too explosive. And uh, they're just going to be too much for them to handle again, especially at that linebacker position. So I have this game 37 to 24.
1: Uh, I'm going to ring the bell. I'm going to go opposite way and say the Eagles still lose because they're not very good. But I'm going to say they somehow find a way to make it closer. I'm always a big fan. Uh, Of saying it I don't know If I actually believe it And if it really makes sense To base my logic on this The backdoor cover Maybe they get a Garbage time touchdown there Okay And and they You know It's a a bad beat For the people Who bet on the Ravens (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna say Something maybe like 27 to 20 Like they just That half point Comes in big They just find a way To cover You know Again maybe like Late touchdown uh, you know, and then they like on side kick, Ooh, but that recover. won't
0: happen though because they'll go for, you got to go 27 21 on that at least then mm. because Doug will go for that two point conversion.
1: True, I'm gonna say 27 20 still anyway. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> very flawed thinking of mine, but whatever. Uh, yeah, so I think they just find a way to cover it, but I think it's gonna be another loss. They drop to one four and one, but like Jimmy, it almost doesn't matter because. Because yeah. the East is so terrible. Yeah, they terrible. can lose this game and still be in the NFC East. And looking at just a real quick, like, peek ahead to the next, like, few games uh, in the future here. So, okay, they dropped a 1-4-1. and one. That is very bad in many cases for many teams. But when you play in the NFC East, and then look at the Eagles' upcoming schedule. I mean, it's a short turnaround to play the Giants. You win that game. You're 2-4-1. and one. Uh, You play the Cowboys at home. The next week, you'll have a little bit extra rest, you know, since it's uh, you're coming right. out Thursday night. And the Cowboys are obviously not in great shape. It's a winnable game, yeah, obviously, And you're obviously for sure. dealing them a loss if you win that game analysis. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you're 3-4-1 all of a sudden. And then you head into your bye. You have a bye week. And then you play the Giants again. <laughs> and then right. you could be 4-4-1. Four, four
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how... Uh i mean we we all know that's gonna happen right and then Uh, everyone's gonna get all excited and it's gonna and then there's and then their schedule gets really
1: hard i believe after that right yeah because then you play uh, the browns and the browns are looking good you could easily browns are browns are legitimately good i think they're i think they're a top 10 team i put them top 10 in my power rankings okay they're gonna make the playoffs i'm pretty sure which is like crazy they haven't done that since 2002 but i think they're like a pretty good bet to do it especially you know seven seeds now
0: yeah, well, yeah, for sure, and like I don't think the AFC—I'd have to look. I don't.
1: AFC, as a like, whole? I guess,
0: as far as like uh, the wild card teams, well, tension—they
1: just picked up a big win over the Colts, who could be you know in the mix for that. Wild, yeah, the another Colts, the Colts,
0: the Raiders actually maybe are contending for a wild card. Yep, Patriots but... are always in there, obviously, and the Bills, uh, Patriots, Bills, you know, whoever doesn't win that division, and then I guess you know AFC North. Uh, one of those teams is definitely getting in like the Steelers or Ravens are definitely getting a wild card. So yeah, they still have competition, but, uh, but yeah, I- I'm with you. I-, I think they're legitimately good. I do think they'll be in the playoffs.
1: <laughs> so that was our Browns talk. You can yes. check out more national <laughs> talk from me, not Jimmy, but maybe we got to get Jimmy on there on the Oddcast on the SB nation NFL show. So again, subscribe to that if you haven't already, uh, any final thoughts, Jimmy?
0: I got none, except for just uh, don't vote for the horrible guy.
1: Definitely go out and vote, as I say every week. You know, very important. Uh, once a week, you know, vote once per. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but do vote when when you should legally. Thank it's a you. Felony. Uh, yeah, don't actually. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can say that. Uh, so don't you know do anything illegal, just to be clear, disclaimer. Um, but do you know? Speaking of you know felonies to me righteous felon craft jerky that's, <laughs> that's it's not a, it's not a felony to get that that is actually very legal uh, and recommended you know a lot of people say you know 10 out of 10 people say i don't know who these people are but just you know 10 out of these 10 people are saying you need to get righteous felon craft jerky so go do that by going to righteousfelon.com using that discount code bgn15 you're going to get 15% off like again it's always it's a classic win 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 Win, You could say win as many times as you want because everyone wins. You're getting some craft Jerky at a discounted price. You're helping support a local business. You're having some snacks to eat during these Eagles games. Uh, so just go out and get some. You're going to like it. So go try it by going to righttosound.com and using discount code BGN15. This has been BGN Radio episode 151. We've talked about the Eagles and Ravens. we talked about other stuff. I don't know why I'm recapping it if you already listened to it all. Um, you've probably turned the podcast off by now. As I'm rambling on, but Jimmy and I here, you know, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can continue to listen to the other shows we have here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Uh, you'll hear from Seamus Clancy. You'll hear from the Babes on Broad. Um, you'll hear from Kiss and Solak. Make sure you subscribe, rate, download, review, so you don't miss all those shows. And if you like this one and you're still listening, then I thank you and also leave a rating on iTunes, rating and review on iTunes. And uh, I think that's about it, Jimmy. Uh, So, until next time. Goodbye, everybody. B-G-N.